The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. Thing that I was going to mention, are you doing a separate episode for um, the, the typing hitting track on binaural? Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> cool. Yes, I am. I already recorded that. <laughs> For you, <laughs> that's awesome. Because <laughs> I I only mentioned that because I was just looking at I have an uh, issue of a magazine I think it's called Fretboard, and he talks about writer's block for like one question. I was gonna throw that to you, but you already recorded it, so I guess you're covered. <laughs> but it was uh, I was gonna throw that to you because it was kind of a it was a magazine I'd never heard of that he did an interview with, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Fretboard is like a music writing specifically uh, magazine. Yeah, and it's all the ads are for like really high ends, like like Martin guitars and really fancy ones. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, but he said basically, I think he said this quote before. But the writer says, um, "So what about writer's block or something?" He's like. We don't talk about that. That's like surfers talking about sharks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I should have to Brandon because that would be a good one for an episode he might not have a lot for. <laughs> Welcome to Season 6, Episode 10 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. I am your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, a different guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, single, and B-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon. Today we're talking about the song of the girl, and the guest today to join me in that talk is Thomas Gregory. Hello, Thomas. Hey, Brandon. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. We're getting through the binaural songs, and this is a good one because this one is actually one that is binaural. Oh, yeah, and this is one of their very best openers. Well, the concert openers is not an album opener. Oh, that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is a top tier opener. I would put this up with release and hard to imagine, and then this one are my favorite openers. And I have not seen hard to imagine, either, <laughs> but I've seen this one live. Oh, he now. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a good one. This one is one of Stone and Mike's best best performances i think yeah well don't 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 get too far ahead it is uh stone <laughs> did write the music and the lyrics for it as well and um it's kind of just like a, a it's it sounds a lot more simple than than it it seems i think just because like the picking on it at least you know before you know listening to it not really being good at guitar or something like that it's like oh man this song's super complicated oh man they're doing all sorts of stuff and then you kind of look at the actual music or kind of really listen to it. it's like oh no it's kind of like the same thing over and over again
right right it's very circular which i think plays in well with the uh like the themes of the song about not being able to get out of a thought cycle mm-hmm. <laughs> and to be be you know in regret or in uh you know constantly rethinking something that you're trying to uh you know break free of and that's uh that's a big part of it but yeah as i say yeah, it's it's one of their best concert openers and it's uh it feels it's not a song I, I really crave, or I, I like put on a lot of playlists right away, but it, it feels like how I feel like chicken pot pie or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't exactly have a craving for it, but when it's in front of me, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> and it's part of its charm that, like, it doesn't, they don't play it a ton, but that I think that allows, like, it's, how good it is to like sneak up on you once again like it just they they it's one of those like little set lists imprints that they do that that you're just like oh if they play this all the time you might get bored of it but since they spread it out it's like i love i love it whenever it pops up yeah when they when they play it it's mostly as an opener and i think it it is a good addition to like the uh the opening sort of songs there because of the, the kind of slow openers, the slopins. Right, right, right. Because they, I would say, like Pendulum, they play it a lot as an opener, but did they, I don't know if you, did you do a dive on live footsteps on this? Like, did you see, did they open with this a ton in 03? Um, in 03 or, or 2000? Not as much, I believe. That's what as, I meant. <laughs> yeah, not as much as they did in 2000. Yeah, the one the one time I did see it was in two thousand three, and it was an opener. So and they but since first half of the that two thousand stretch, it seems like it's it's like a treat now. Like they don't they don't play it quite as much. Mm-hmm. And is this um this was actually recorded in binaural, right? The the recording technique. Yes. Okay, because there was only a handful of the actual album right that's officially certified binaural well they were i believe they were all recorded in uh binaural technique um but then when they mixed it they mixed some of them in stereo because i believe they just did regular miking on it into just in case they need to like boost the volume of, of, of it or something like that you know the harder sort of songs they were kind of oh, like okay. no it doesn't really sound real good and so then brandon o'brien came in and uh mixed those things in uh in stereo yeah yeah that makes it yeah because there's i mean like grievance probably they're just like all right let's no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> make the drums a little louder because <laughs> i would say when i first listened to binaural this song and grievance were probably the two that i like popped first mm-hmm. listen and it just, I, I, this one just felt, you know, very atmospheric and just, it was just gorgeous sounding. I didn't know what it was about. <laughs> it's, it's pretty tricky to figure out on first listen, but, and then Grievance just had like a good pummeling Pearl Jammy kind of sound. But um, as far as the, and now you said you've seen it live. Mm-hmm. And that was, was that uh, early 2000s? you said or 2000s yeah that was yeah 2003 um the second irvine show uh where the first night as you were going through they just gave away tickets they're like here here here's tickets 
then we have a we have a show tomorrow and we're like oh, okay cool awesome nice it was all general admission which is like a bit like a huge lawn section in the back i think very cool and so then we came back the next night and kind of chilled out back there and it's pretty cool now have you caught it since was it just that oh, first no. time? <laughs> and that's what happened to me my very first show i went to was uh mansfield's it was august 29 2000 the mm-hmm. first song my first show and i had i was very familiar with binaural and i was like you know expect i was kind of hoping for release because that is just like a great opener and then i heard i'm like okay they're starting with the new stuff and i was like oh this sounds good this sounds good and then I went to the 2003 Mansfield show. I went to one and three. I didn't go to all three, mm-hmm. but I uh, the third show they did the first, you know, early acoustic set that that crazy show that they played. Yeah. And they played so early that of the girl was actually almost like the opener to me because <laughs> because <I>, <laughs> they had like announced the third show. And I got a will call ticket, so I had to wait in line, and I could tell that they were playing something. And it turned out it was Long Road that they were starting with. And I got my ticket, and I caught, like, the very end of Long Road. And then they started with Of the Girl, and I was like, oh, wow, this is I, – they're playing this one again. And I was like, this is great. Like, it sounds cool acoustic. But in the back of my head, I'm like, well, I've heard this one before. And then, <laughs> you know – 17 years later i've heard it since (laughs) but as i said that's that's like one of the the cool parts of it because it's they they do space this one out but it sounds so great live and it seems like they actually play it a little faster or maybe just like the bass is turned up a little more than they they played it you know, from the early 2000s. Because mm-hmm. I listened to like the Quebec 2016 version, which is a great show. And it just sounds like Jeff's bass is a little more pulsing. Like, and it just sounds a tiny bit peppier. I don't, I've never, didn't put like a metronome on it or anything, <laughs> but, but it does sound a little faster, which I actually think it sounds better now. Which people sometimes complain that like they're playing stuff too fast from like like Evenflow or like other ones like their older stuff, but I, I think this actually sounds better when it's like a little bit peppier. No, yeah, I mean this is is it's it's just because of the way it's kind of played. I think it's kind of easy for it to kind of go a little faster. And plus, I, I believe you know they'll they'll normally play stuff faster when they're playing live, just because when you're recording it you're like okay let's make sure we get this good and sounding good because it's going to be recording and so people are going to be hearing it forever so let's kind of make sure we're being real methodical about it and taking our time and it's also not as um as well practiced after you you know get on the road and you're playing it and you're like okay yeah yeah i know what i'm doing yeah i don't know it's it might have like a pink floydy kind of feel to it i don't know it's just it just feels like it's got like vapors in it (laughs) you know like it's just it's kind of got this like foggy atmosphere Mm -hmm. to it that's just it's just gorgeous sounding as far as the binaural songs like i think like this one and nothing as it seems are kind of like the most atmospheric sounding of the binaural 
songs on binaural. <laughs> right, right. Uh, just you know, there's there's like not much. Like nothing as it seems, there'll be kind of like the guitar kind of going back and forth, kind of moving in the speakers. You can hear, you know, one here and then you hear the other one, you know, kind of towards the front of your head or whatever. But like this one, there's um the the two acoustic guitars you hear, there's a uh, stone in the left ear. And then I don't know who is in front. Maybe that's Ed, but there's because there's a total of three guitars. And I think in order for it to have been a binaural recording, they recorded them all at the same time because then Mike's over in the right ear and he's got an amp that's a little bit further away from it. And you can hear the real, you can hear the room in it and the kind of echoey, kind of hollow sound in it, which is kind of like, oh man, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize there was three guitars on it. Mm hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, and Stone has a, um, or you know, maybe one of them was Ed was um, dubbed in afterwards or something. But then, like, uh, the, yeah, the one that Stone's playing in the left ear is also um, is a, he's playing it with a slide. You can hear him. Is that a uh, stone starting off? Because if you start at like the very beginning of the track, it like squeals a little bit, and you could hear the first like two strings like plucking. Mm -hmm. And it's I don't know if it's feedback or if it's the microphone feedback or something. So that's that's like stone kicking off, and then it's like gets the depth of it just like kind of drops, and you're just like whoa okay now we're in the room because <laughs> at first it's just sounds like a little tinkling part and then a little feedback squeal and then it's like that like drop of like okay now like no there's there's more there's more musicians in the room <laughs> it's not yeah, just I know in the um in the liner notes there's credited extra percussion to uh wendy melvoin and pete thomas so i don't know if like this is the song that they had other people kind of sitting around the head microphone for kind of because there are extra drum sort of noises and stuff like that and kind of maybe little chimey things in the background that possibly uh yeah they were doing maybe very cool do you have like a definitive grasp on the lyrics as far as like what the story is because i feel like this is kind of uh, a trademark of stone lyrics in a mm -hmm. few songs where he kind of it's kind of uh it feels almost redacted like there's a few details and there's a one's missing but he's trying to like draw you in to fill in the rest of the story <laughs> and I, I like fatal is like that and buckle up on the new the new album i figure you're like what's going on there like there's blood there's this, like you're like, what, what are you talking about, Stone? It's quite an evolution from mankind to this. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I think he's trying to be mysterious, but in a in a way that's, you know, that, that's effective. But uh, but did you have like a, a, a take on it 
I, I have one, but it's weird, so I don't want to go first. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. That's um not really. I mean, you you listen to it, and it sounds kind of like a forlorn sort of lost love uh, song. And um, when you look at the drawings in the liner notes in the booklet, there's like a drawings of like a scale, and there's like stuff being weighed on it, and then there's like a eddy wave drawing or whatever like that like he draws waves there's like a hand um and another one is a spoon over some candles which uh you know that that has obvious connotations i i believe to it and then also like in the upper left hand corner it says like um four the number four and then something written there like it's written for somebody or something or there's like an it's or like maybe that's kind of a note for Ed is kind of like, okay, I'm singing this for something or something, or maybe like somebody needs to do something to the song or something. I don't know. I couldn't, fi- I couldn't decipher the, the, the writing on it. I think it ends in an S is all. Yeah. That's puzzling <laughs> with that S part. Um, but I mean, did you get, so you picked up on like the, the uh, possible drug reference or the possible like criminal activity that might be part of this um no i never i never really thought of it sort of like as a uh you know making your getaway as in like getaway car um or anything like that and i I, it just sort of like seemed to me as like a sort of you know using using somebody in order to you know fill up the hole in yourself instead of you know doing it in a healthy way and you know, being in a, a relationship together instead of something that's kind of uh, right um, codependent or something. That's that sounds really uh, applicable to what I was thinking too, because it seems like like somebody who's kind of stuck in a cycle of thinking about another person. That I mean, it could be a tragedy, like where the person passed away, or it could be the the main character, you know, just messed up the relationship. With, I mean, because there's somewhat drug references. Maybe they were involved in something they shouldn't be, and they they push the person away with that. Or I would say, are you ready for my like? Car- <laughs> Did you watch Homeland? No, no. The, the show, or uh, or any show where there's like a conspiracy theory where they show a person with like tacks on a wall, like with yarn. Like spun around. <laughs> that's, a, that's a common motif in my uh, in, in these episodes. Right. Are, are you ready <laughs> for podcast. Are you ready for that version of it? Yeah, let's hear. All it. right, this is probably highly edited, which I would appreciate by you. But but I think that this person is not the girl is not a romantic interest. Mm-hmm. I think it's the guy's daughter. Okay. Yeah. And I think that he was involved in some possibly criminal activity that off the top ties him off, drill the pain, uh, money to buy. Like that, he might have been a drug dealer. He might have been just involved in something he shouldn't have been. To me, maybe it was to support her. Maybe it was because he just couldn't get out of that life or something. Yeah. Now he's in prison and he's thinking of her. And I don't have much to string this together with the lyrics, except for the quarter to four lyric, I think is when visiting hours start. Hmm. He's thinking 
I can't wait until she comes and sees me and I'm just thinking of her and he's just ruining it because he has nowhere to go. He's just stuck, you know, in his cell and he's just thinking about, you know, he's thinking of the girl and, and girl in a lot of rock songs can be somebody you're chasing a romantic interest. But I think in this part, it's just his girl. And I think that that could be where he's at. It's probably a stretch, but I think that, that when I look at the song that way, it's just like, it just the way it feels like where he's just in a thought cycle. He's just like, oh, I can't believe that I messed up my relationship with my daughter. <laughs> and I, and I, and I, they have other songs about parent child relationships. So I kind of thought maybe it could be, and mm -hmm. this is probably projecting if you ask like, Edward is thinking, or Stone would use, they'd be like, well, could be what a lot of things. But it's one of those, like, uh, you can, like, project into it what you want. But because they have other, like, could this be a song about the parent and daughter? Or my father's son, like, this is the parent of the daughter girl or something. <laughs> or maybe he's the parent, or uh, maybe this person is involved in the mama side or something. But I don't know. That might be. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> putting too many strings on the tag board there, but I just it, they have a lot of parenting um, motifs in their songs, so it was just one that kind of popped up to me when I was thinking about uh, what it could be. Because as I said, like the way Stone writes, he kind of just puts little clips of lyrics that don't tell a whole story. They're just like little pieces. And then he wants you kind of to draw you out into filling the rest. And I think he's doing it here. And that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> and it might be a little, little too, too far, but it's, uh, I don't know. I, when I see that, I see like a whole movie. <laughs> and then like with Mike playing like those like choppy chord things, Almost like he's doing in uh, Dance of the Clairvoyance. Like it's it's kind of like a choppy and then it becomes like a lead part too. And it's, it's just so good. It just really like draws you in to create whatever story you want, as I just did. <laughs> yeah, and um, Stone didn't become a father until 2006. Right, right. I think so. It was, this was written before then. So could it not, not like from personal experience, probably, well, you know, if, if there's crime and stuff involved, but, right, you know, just right. like, like, yeah, and like the thought of, of um, yeah, I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure any of them had kids then at that point, except for uh, uh, Matt. And then that was after Soundgarden ended too, so he probably had some time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I love when Stowe, I don't know, in like with uh, some of this other lyric writing too, you're just like, he finds these little phrases and details and then he kind of draws you into uh explore you know what it might mean or like who these people are and he does it really well it's like just very understated and it's uh i don't know it's just very effective and that's mm -hmm. what like this in this song like the way it kind of lands as like a live song it's just like it's just so good where you could just launch into like a fast song or like low light or something. And it, it just really primes the crowd up. 
Yeah, it really leads itself into the sort of Mike spotlight, sort of uh, allows him to stretches sort of bluesy improvisational wings on it just kind of adding in a little couple of riffs here and some sounds or something maybe right is that mostly like a wah pedal he's using um on that there might be some wah in it i mean it sounds kind of like crunchy but i don't know i'm not like a guitar effects <laughs> there might be some wall in there i know there's nothing real sort of uh that you can tell that it's like fancy or anything like that it's just kind of just sounds like real simple just kind of slight little overdrive on it and he's just uh just playing away yeah and i i would say my favorite version i'm just checking like a note i put down here there is a great youtube clip of a poland krakow uh 2018 version it's like a pro shot it's black and it starts off black and white that was mm-hmm. so good he does a little like uh yeah 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 part like during the end of it that just puts a little extra like stank on it <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's just it just it's it's really good i don't know if you've seen that one but it's it's phenomenal and as I said, it's one of those songs that uh, that I think has gotten better. Like their 2018 version, I think is better than their 2000 version, which some people might say is not always the case. Like their 1992 version, even flow people might prefer over their 2021. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a song that I think is even better. Yeah, and if uh, if, uh, you're out there looking for the first time they played it, it was at the uh, 2000 Mount Baker show in Bellingham. That's uh, your vault number four, if you've uh, got that, that they played a bunch of other uh, binaural songs for the first time a week before the record came out. Very cool. Um, Let's see. Yeah, for the for the longest time, I always thought it was the lyric was "and he makes his getaway" instead of "how he makes his getaway." I don't know if that's a, a like a question, like sort of like how does he do it, or if it's like a sort of like a oh wow, look at him, he's making a big show of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I don't know about big show, but just kind of like oh wow, he just disappeared. Oh, yeah, wow. it's like oh, he took a blimp. We weren't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, that's not that's not the usual mode of uh, getaway. <laughs> and that's an interesting. The, yeah, that's a very. Uh, I, were you an English major? Because that's a very like sentence diagram kind of breakdown of it. I like that. <laughs> uh, not necessarily. I I, I always uh, wanted to write, so that's uh, that, that that's pretty much how I. When I get my uh, my beginning introduction for each season, I, I scratch that little itch with writing my little monologues in the beginning of it. <laughs> oh my goodness! The one you did for No Code was incredible. <laughs> the, about the Polaroid, uh, uh-huh. that whole breakdown. Did you work really hard on that? Because that was incredible. <laughs> I yeah, want to give you up a, for a couple it. weeks to write. <laughs> That was really good because that's my. I met my wife in Somerville, which is right next to Cambridge. Oh, and my my uncle worked for Polaroid, so I had like a a connection with that story, like you know, indirectly. But I'm like, this is a guy in Reno mm-hmm. who is delving into all this stuff about a band I love. I'm like, 
<laughs> what I'm saying is, Brandon, we if you're ever in Harvard, we got to hang out. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like there was like a lot of strange coincidences in that story. It, but but it like the trippy like music and like you don't when you start playing it, you're not sure where you're going with it. You do that really well. It's very like I don't know if I'd say NPR, but it's like uh, it's like a story where you just it just like draws you in, and you're like I like this modern life. I'm not gonna get out of my car. I know I gotta like go, you know, into work or something, but I want to hear how this ends. You do that mm -hmm. very well. Oh, thanks. I don't know where we were leaving off right now and off the grill, but. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of room for interpretation. It's uh, I guess uh, in in the era of songs where if it's not one of the huge uh, ones that everybody knows and everybody talks about, then there's not a lot of uh, of uh, facts or anything like that about it to to be found everywhere. It's just sort of like a okay, here's a song, and then everybody's got their kind of point of view on it. Right. Yeah. It's if you bring a friend to a show who has you know the rear view mirror greatest hits they're like i think they could get drawn into it i think they would be like this is this is a cool song but it it, it kind of would it makes sense as an opener mm -hmm. as it's kind of setting the table for something harder it, it just it really does that well it kind of or it could like i don't know i don't know if they've ever done it as like a second encore opener like mm -hmm. later on i mean they probably have i'm sure they did in was that toronto i'm sure you talked about that show a lot <laughs> but oral episode or season where they played the uh the whole album but it is like a good like cleaning of the ice <laughs> like a zamboni <laughs> <laughs> for for the for the crowd to like you know hear something heavy right after it what's the next song after that is it a faster one then yeah grievance it's great yeah which makes sense that's a good good album sort in there for track listening because that's it, the way it kind of lands softly that makes sense to have one that pounds right away <laughs> yeah yeah, so that's uh, yeah, that's all I got, right? That's <laughs> that's pretty much I got. Yeah, I just wanted to throw out my crazy. Uh, it's about a daughter uh, theory. That was it, <laughs> and that I really like it as an opener. Those were my two points. So this is we're we're in our uh, we're in the year of PJ thirty. So I'm wrapping these up, asking people uh, just like Ed was asked at the end of uh, single video theory. Uh, Thomas, what does Pearl Jam mean to you? Um, I kind of remember, uh, when Ed talks in, I think it was in the PJ 20 movie when he was asked, why do you write about such dark, uh, subject matter in your songs? Mm -hmm. And he, I, I'm paraphr I'm kind of answering the question on my own, but I'm kind of paraphrasing him too here, but by giving, um, negative emotions that you feel and you you put them in a song you kind of can make sense of them mm -hmm. and by you know laying it all out there you can process those difficult emotions and uh you know kind of come out on the other side and that's what that music does and it's for anybody who's really into a band or, or any type of art 
it can make you kind of make sense of the world. It's like a cheap therapist, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just throw on throw on the album, throw on the song, and it's like, okay, like that's why I feel that way this day. Like, not to quote that sounds like I'm quoting Anthony <laughs> or something, <laughs> but but, it, but it's uh it's you're just trying to pin down something and make sense of it you're like hey i'm feeling heartbroken i'm feeling anxious i'm feeling let down or i'm feeling you know happy or something but it's in four four there's drums there's guitars you know i got a handle on it and that's they do that for me and and for obviously lots of people yeah and the the second part of it too is the live experience when you see them live but even before the show the community around it like you can walk around in the beer line in for the merch line or just who you're sitting near before the show and you can just have conversations about like the shows you've been to this and that like it's just it's you're just instant friends or tailgating. You're just, you're like, we have so much to talk about. <laughs> it's like, you're, I mean, I'm talking to a guy from Reno right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's, it's that type of connection that just brings you together too. First, you connect with the songs, with the, with the heart, passion, the, the, the musicianship of it. And then you connect with the other people who also love it too. And it's, it just really makes you, you know, feel like Monday isn't so bad, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, they're just, they just kind of group all that together and make you, make you think like, yeah, let's keep fighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got nothing to add. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always a pleasure talking to Pearl Jam, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, yeah, that's. That's I, I I needed to talk to Pearl uh, about Pearl Jam too, or otherwise you know it's just you know just like you got to get those emotions out, you got to get the fan fanning out about Pearl Jam out too, because you gotta you gotta release it, you gotta process it. It's like I mean, if you like sit on a picnic blanket, you're like eating a lot of crackers, and you're like, how am I gonna get this clean? It's like you gotta <laughs> step back, you gotta shake that blanket out, and then you're set. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. <laughs> it sounds good, though. <laughs> All right, man. I got to quit while I'm ahead. <laughs> it's, up for, it's, up, it's up for interpretation, just like all these Pearl Jam songs. But seriously, man, if you ever make it to Hartford, we got to go to the Spigot. That's, that's, the, that's a good bar. That's got a good jukebox. Oh, you know. And Randy, too. Randy's yeah. from Bridgeport or something. We'll figure it out. Once the world is back in order. Yeah, every, everybody's gonna gonna tour around and finally it's like, okay, we can travel again, we can see each other again. You know, let's do it because uh, you know we've all been shut in too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Live shows will come. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on, Thomas. All right, be good, man. The Better Band Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. 
You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at betterbandpod. I am on Twitter at Brandon P, B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you like the job I'm doing here, you can go to ko-fi.com slash Brandon P and leave me a $3 tip or give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to tell your friends. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Thomas and as always, this is Brandon saying... Hello, I'm Troy McClure. You might remember me from such show business funerals as Andre the Giant, We Hardly Knew Ye, and Shemp Howard, Today We Mourn a Stooge.